The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. It's Farrell on the bench in the biggest way possible. Hang in the bad seat, a broken a bad apple with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad out of bad day, bad life, bad day, bad breath, bad attention, bad vibes. We are live on a pain-free Friday in the Pharrell Palatial right across the river and through the woods from where Granny likes to pick up her medicinal and smoke a thumb with her martini before dinner in New York City, the Big Apple. Ooh. People dressed in plastic bags, directing traffic, some kind of fashion shake-out up should do, but all my friends that come around, thoughts of flies and party up, rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown, what a mess, this town's sad, my brain splattered all over Manhattan, should do be shake-out Hey, what's gigging? It's Pharrell with your boy Mafia tonight, doing the uh, radio show. And uh, I got my equality shirt on for the fans on the... Uh, the Sports Grid YouTube, uh, Pharrella Chat, Pharrella Pub, the video end of things. Uh, Mafia has informed me that he was able, uh, through uh, hard work and 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 hard labor, he was able to uh, put in the uh, beer lines. It appears that he's been able to hook up the kegs. To oh, listen. <laughs> oh. Oh, Sheboygan, they are flowing. Beverages of choice right here in the Pharrell Pub. So a whole new atmosphere going. And uh, I'm watching an old uh, replay of the Warriors. Seldom come out to play. Taking on the Cavs and LeBron. And they're going to sweep them in the 2018 NBA Finals. I'm watching that for no apparent reason. How much time, Mafia? He has to tell me because there's a lot of reasons why I just don't care anymore. I can't I can't keep track of all these rules and such. We don't believe in rules when we started living like freaky beatniks. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. 
I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. for all the bench. So uh, we're going to have David Dusick at Golf Week join us here in, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes or something like that. We'll get him on. We'll talk about the uh, situation down in Fort Worth at, at the Colonial and uh, through, you know, the second round and the cut has been, uh, you know, thrown down. So we know who's made it and everything else. We'll get into all that with him coming up. So uh, today was funny, Mafia. It wasn't funny to me, but it, it was funny what happened, what, uh, like happened in my, uh, house obviously was a disaster. Right. So, uh, I might as well just tell the story. Like I care. So uh, here's what happened. I'm sitting there doing the show, right. We're doing coast to coast. We're live. And, um, you know, uh, the, obviously, uh, this is at around, I don't even know what time it was. Who cares? It was like at like, oh, it was in the second hour. It was at like, uh, I think right around 5, 521, right? Because I was handing, I was going to have him do the update, right? That's correct. Okay. So what happened was, is that the show crashed for me. Like on my end, my power went out. Right. So all of a sudden I'm sitting here doing the show and it's 90 degrees. It's sunny. There's no rain. There's no anything. There's just absolutely no reason for this. And the power goes out in my house. So I, I obviously freak I'm live on TV and I, you know, the minute the, the power goes, I'm, I'm just absolutely forrelled. I'm screwed. I mean, we're just, I'm off the air. Right. So you guys took the show over, which I knew you would, uh, I knew you guys had, you know, handle it and keep doing the show. I mean, what else are you going to do? I'm gone. I'm not on the air. You are. So keep going. Right. So I run out of the uh, TV studio room and uh, I run over to where all the, like uh, the hub is of the power, right. The, where all the, you know, what do you, what do you want to call it? The Wi-Fi, the routers, the phones, the TVs, the plug, the everything is in this general area hub, right? So I walk in there and it was like a scene out of Charlie Brown, right? Who do you think was standing there with a, like a cord in her hand and uh, ice cream on her face, smoke coming out of her ears, uh, the Mac attack. Yeah. So chop is standing there in the room. I'm, I, I go in a room. I'm like, what did you do? She said, I didn't do anything. And I'm like, and she's holding a power cord. She's literally, she's got it in her hand. And she's, I mean, I'm joking when I said that she had ice cream on her face and smoke coming out of her ears, but she might as well have, 
because like I caught her cold busted, like in the room with all the power and all the like, con- like master control, right? <laughs> this is where it all starts and ends. And there she is standing there with a cord in her hand. And I'm like, what did you do? She goes, I didn't do anything. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't look like you did anything. And then, uh, obviously, uh, so she plugged into it. Right. And then it blew the whole house blew. And, uh, I'm sitting there and then I start cussing and freaking out. Right. Cause that's what I do. I'm, I'm Bob Knight. Basically I'm a loser and I got a foul mouth. I am just the most despicable person ever. Mavia knows it. Like I cuss and I throw just, just absolute, just awesome. Like just fantastic temper tantrums. And I uh, like when we're driving, when we're balling, he seen me get in like 50 fist fights, like at least. I mean, Mafia, you've never known anyone to get in more fights than me or anything like confrontations, fights, arguments, road rage, temper tantrums, arguments over anything. Just constant like with Bob Knight temper. Right. Am I wrong? You're not wrong at all. You know, you know, some people have a fuse and eventually you keep, you know, the fire goes and it blows up the dynamite like your fuse is literally you put match to dynamite and it just explodes okay so i walked in there and i caught her and she's like denying everything and i'm like you know so i had already i already knew i had her rattled i already knew i had her scared so i knew that if it was only going to get worse for her if i kept it up so i just was like i was like get out just get out get out of here i said you're done you are done playing PS4, whatever it's called. You're done playing video games. You're done on the TV. You're done in this room. You're done with me. Get out. You're finished between four and six, 10 and 12. I don't even, you're not even my child. I don't even know you. So make plans. Like, just make plans to do other things in those windows. Four to six, 10 to 12. You don't live here. Run away, do whatever you got to do. Just do not come near me. You are bad luck. <laughs> go and she, meals and knives. Just don't be here. She proceeded to go out on the deck and like have a just complete like meltdown. She was like so guilty and so awful. She was bawling, miserable, ready to jump. I ruined her mentally for weeks. I just absolutely tortured her mentally. And then, then I got them all turning on me. Mother-in-law, wife, uh, son, the dog bit me. And I'm just sitting there going like, I, I'm sitting there. Do you understand? I, am, I have no power in my house. <laughs> I took my sport coat. I threw it across the room, Bob Knight style. I took my T-shirt off. I was soaking wet. I was so mad that I got soaking wet, right? And so I'm standing there, no clothes on, soaking wet, cussing, and I got five people yelling at me, and I'm just sitting there going like, do you understand that I'm doing a live television show, and, and this chick just knocked the power out in the house, and like, you guys all think I'm a D? And I'm like, you know what? I was just like, I don't care what you think of me. I mean, this is unbelievable. You all think this is some kind of joke. Like that this isn't serious, that this isn't a problem. Mafia, is this a problem? This is a problem. It's a huge problem. That's how what that's what pays for everything. What do they think goes on? So uh, thank God you sided with me finally. 
Like I, I'm, I, I could just see you like turning on me as well. Like he took a, a pause there. I had to think, is he going to die bomb on me too? Cause like, I'm like the most important thing is the show. Everything else yeah. is secondary. I don't, I have no feelings. I don't have any tears. I don't have any, like, I'm not mad. I, you know, when I get mad, I, I get mad for a reason. I don't just get mad to get mad. I get mad for a reason, man. You get me going on a, if there's a cause and I'm mad about something, you're, you're going to want me in your well. Like if you're going to the well mafia, if you need a, if you need a, a brawl, you need to get into the well, you need to get into the trenches, you need to get into the battlefield, front line, the first row of defense, whatever, civil war, you know, Vietnam, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. You're going to call Pharrell because I got a oh, mean no, yeah. streak in sure. You're like, uh, you know, it's like in the town where uh, Ben Affleck goes to Jeremy Renner. He's like, I need to hurt somebody. You can't ask me why. And he's like, Jeremy Renner's like, whose car are we taking? That's you. You'll jump right in. No. So I was like, this is it. Like, don't, don't argue with me about my anger when I'm right. And, uh, and this is like, I'm not on the air right now. I got knocked off the air. You know, the whole house has no power. And like, this is no joke. So... I eventually fixed it, and I, that only took me three hours. I got back on the air in like 12 minutes. It took me 12 minutes to somehow reboot it and somehow get the house back on, somehow get the Wi-Fi going again, which took – that took an extra six minutes. Just rebooting the Wi-Fi was enough. How much time do I got, Mafia? I can't hear you anymore. I'm deaf. All right. Just, uh, that's how I'm going to do it from now on. <laughs> I'm sick of like waiting to hear your cue in my ear that I can't hear from anyway. I can't hear. I can't see. I'm old. Uh, I had my uh, Dr. Garden was in, inside my garage the other day. Then he was telling me about my onions, right? Because I have all these hernias. I have this massive hernia going down into my onion center. And uh, he's telling me about what the onion center does, you know, in general as a, you know, as a operating system, as a machine in your body every day what it's what its goal is and what its plan and purpose is and i got some guy with his fist in my garage door but telling me about my onions and then uh you know these things uh you know matter to me and and i just it's it's very important that i like if i can't hear mafia and i got all these problems with my onions and my garage store i gotta get stuff fixed i need to know how much time i got left before i go out Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
All right, Pharrell on a bench back with you. Uh, coast to coast, top to bottom, east to west, we're everywhere. Good to have all of our affiliates on uh, all over the place. Stations everywhere, every city, every nook and cranny. Also, Armed Forces Radio and our friends down by the beach, boy. Virgin Islands. I, I hear that they're uh, checking us out as well down there. Uh, I go there periodically. I've been down there uh, a few times. And I like hanging out there. No big deal. Uh, it's cool. Cool spot. Cool people. I dig it. I've been to all the islands. I like all of them. So um, it's good to have you with us. Anyway, uh, pain-free Friday style. Are we ready to rock and roll mafia? David Dusick is a senior writer at Golf Week. He's a regular on the bench and on uh, Sports Grid on Coast to Coast. Uh, he's been on my radio show for a long time talking about golf, and they are golfing again. And I have been watching uh, for two days at Fort Worth, the Colonial, and I, I'm just glad to see him uh, playing golf. And I just think it's been fantastic. I've enjoyed it. Um, I haven't really gotten all caught up in every single guy, uh, what they're doing, uh, but I have actually, you know, enjoyed the weather. It's beautiful. The skies are are beautiful. It's hot, and they are swinging uh, the sticks and they're scoring. and 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 some big names are making moves and runs. It's going to be a good weekend. How you doing, David? Everything good? Yeah, everything's great, Scotty. Golf is back. It's uh, it's good to be back. I, it's it's just I, I can't tell you how much I've missed it. I love what I do. I love covering these guys. Colonial is a great, fantastic, you know, venue down there in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm really disappointed not to be there this year. I've been to that tournament a bunch of times. I'm looking forward to getting back out to the PGA Tour when it comes up to my neighborhood in a, two weeks. I'll be up at the Travelers, but uh, it's been great to see the guys back out there, and so far, so good. Well, uh, looks like we've actually got some big names and a good tournament ahead of us. There, I'm looking at DeChambeau. Did he pack it on in this, uh, let's say, three months, uh, or did he – did he do that intentionally to hit the ball further? What What's the deal with him? He's he's looking a little like he's hit a few subways. He uh, he has made a conscious effort, Scott, over the last say six months to put on as much weight and muscle as he possibly can. He's been on a rigorous training program. He looks like he's put on about twenty five pounds, and he's also gained a ton of club head speed. He basically wants to to become the Incredible Hulk of golf. His goal is to put on muscle, put on clubhead speed, and bludgeon the ball off the tee, and he's doing that. The guy is hitting it 330, 340, that hot Texas air, the temperatures in the 90s down there in Fort Worth, those fairways are running fast, and he is obliterating the golf ball off the tee, and it is a conscious decision that he has made to bulk up, get more physical, and try and incorporate more power into his game. So uh, Phil Mickelson didn't make the cut. Uh, do you think it was because he wore those uh, chips sunglasses <laughs> during the second round on uh, Friday? I mean, honestly, I, you know, it's it's a different look from Mickelson. A lot of guys do wear sunglasses. I haven't seen the mirrored sunglasses. Usually, you know, Poncherello right. was the last guy that I saw that something. <laughs> like that. It was it was quite a statement from Mickelson. But but Phil is, is you know, I love the guy. He's almost. Almost 50 years old at this point, but the consistency from him is just not there anymore. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan. He's a Hall of Famer for a reason. He's a historically significant big-time player. Um, but Mickelson is capable of, of shooting some really good rounds, but, but I don't look for him 
to be a guy who week-to-week P.J. Tour events is, is going to be in contention on a regular basis. And unfortunately, the, the consistency that you need when you're competing against guys, you know, like we talked about with DeChambeau, but on any given week when you're looking at Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas and Justin Rose finding his game, and now Jordan Speed coming back, Colin Morikawa, Xander Shoffley, like the guys that are around there, Harold Barn, like, they're so talented. And if you don't bring it every single week, you're going to get lapped. And, and this clearly was not Mickelson's week. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that uh, didn't make the cut, so I'm not going to waste my time with them, to be honest with you. I will mention one other guy, though. Kevin Na has always played great on this golf course. He's always been in the top ten. He won it last year. He's had, like, several top fives in this thing. He owns this golf course. What happened to him? He was a mess. You know, Scott, i got to tell you, I came into this event, and, and it's one of those things where, yes, Kevin Na has historically played well on this golf course. You usually don't have to be a big hitter, and, and Na is not to be successful at Colonial. But coming off of such an extended break where obviously guys were having different levels of being able to practice, different levels of training, and, and to be fair, everybody's mind has been all over the place. Some guys have been able to take the time off and, and work on their, fit, you know, their, their fitness and their games. Other guys, depending on where they lived, you know, couldn't do that. I'm floating a bone to everybody for a week or two to just get themselves back into the routine, get themselves back into swinging. Clearly, Kevin Na, who's usually a very good putter, a, a fairly straight guy with the irons and stuff like that, he gives up distance, so he doesn't have that luxury uh, of being able to hit it as far as some of the guys. If, if people don't have their A game right now, I personally am I'm fine with that. I'm just so thrilled to have everybody back. I want everybody healthy. I want these things to go off where we don't all of a sudden have a problem where people are testing positive you know, before they come into some of these tournaments. So um, Nod didn't have it. He had trouble making birdies, got himself into some trouble, didn't make any putts. But mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see what he brings next week when he's at Hilton Head and then a week after that when he plays up here in Hartford. So tell me about uh, Jordan Speed, David Dusick with us, Golf Week, senior writer, badass. Uh, tell me about uh, Jordan, because uh, I thought that everything uh, happened so quickly for him, the success up to the mountaintop, right? And then he had this, like, I don't know, bizarre fall from grace. Like, he just uh, turned into, like, someone we couldn't even recognize. And then Justin Thomas passed him. All these other guys started passing him. And people started talking about him, like, saying things like he's lost it. And then he shows up uh, Thursday and Friday and golfs his ass off and drops a pair of 65s. Uh, What am I supposed to believe about Jordan Spieth and his world right now and his game? Again, you know, Jordan, Jordan Speed's having so much success, obviously winning multiple major championships 2015, reaching number one in the world, and being just such an outstanding putter, such a great all-around game, and then his game started to falter. You know, the putter went away for a year or two, but then it came back. He's been putting great for about the last year. But he's really been fighting his full swing, and he keeps saying the thing that we hear again and again, like, oh, I'm close, the practice is good, I, I, I'm not far away from it. And he'd shoot a good round here or there, but to be able to post the 65 today when he had a four putt, which is unbelievable. I mean, that, that should have been a 63 easily. I mean, he four putts um, on the third hole, which was, which was his 12. It, it was just unbelievable to see it happen. But at the same time, then, makes bowling on the next one, bounces back, cleans it up. It, we're going to learn a lot about where Jordan Spieth is mentally tomorrow and on Sunday. If he is able to go out tomorrow and shoot something, for example, like 68, and keep himself into contention, even if he doesn't win, but shoots four rounds this week in the 60, he may be one of those guys, along with Justin Rose, who was not in a good way, Brooks Kepka coming off injury, not in a good way going into the break, 
where that three months may end up doing some big-name players, those three specifically, I think, a world of good. And, and Jordan has been playing a lot of golf, not working this way, playing golf. And he looks so confident and so at ease out there. He's had tremendous success at Colonial, and he looks like he is ready to have more success there this weekend. I played uh, Rory on my uh, TV show today, Coast to Coast. I played Layman. I played uh, Mafia. Was there anyone else I played? Oh, Phil. I played a little Phil. But here's uh, my point is that uh, I am now – here's the deal. So in NASCAR, I bet on Marty Truex every race. Every race I I bet on Martin Truex uh, for, you know, uh, obvious reasons. He's from the Garden State. So I – I bet on him every every single race, and he finally hit for me plus six fifty the other night in Martinsville, and I got a ticket and I and I won uh, with Marty Truex. So I just wanted to let you know, uh, David Dusick, that I am now betting on in every single tournament this year in golf. Every single tournament, I'm going to bet on Rory McIlroy. I am literally going to bet on him every single week until I make all kinds of money because you know he'll make me money. That guy makes big money at some point or another, whether it's the FedEx Cup, whether it's a major, I don't care what it is. He's going to make me some money. One way or the other, my boy Rory's coming through for me this year. That's my golfer this year. I'm getting on his back. I'm riding him like a horse. Well, it's nothing like riding on Secretariat. I mean, my gosh, I mean, you're going with the number one player in the world, the guy who going into the break was basically living in the top five. You're, you're not really going out on a limb there. Um, Rory McIlroy, if you're going to put money on him, if you're going to have a ticket for him every weekend, you will have an exciting weekend all the time. And every once in a while it's going to be boring when he's up by like eight shots on Sunday afternoon or he's up by five shots lapping the field. He's, his talent his work ethic, his, his mental abilities and such like that. He is, in my opinion, clearly the best player in the world right now. Um, he is somebody that is lurking there at nine under par. He's two shots off the lead, and he's never even played this golf course. This is his first time he's playing Colonial in, in competition. I look for him to get better and better as the weekend goes on, and he will definitely be involved on Sunday. I just wanted to say, lastly, because I only have like 20 seconds, that I'm just so pleased to hear um, golfers uh, actually cussing on the golf course and then having uh, Jim Nance try to apologize uh, for everyone's uh, potty mouth. I think it's just fantastic. Uh, I cannot get enough of open mic night at the golf course and the OK Corral and golfers dropping bombs on the course. It's fantastic. It's better than the Bundesliga with all the German cussing I'm hearing. David Dusick, have a great weekend. Enjoy the uh, Colonial and uh, we'll catch up with you each week as golf continues to make a huge comeback with the COVID and everything. I'm glad they're playing again. Thanks for coming on the bench. You got it, Scotty. Anytime. Thanks a lot, pal. There's our guy, David Dusick of Golf Week. We cover golf like no other. And he said, I'm going out on a limb, betting Rory. I'm just going to stick with one guy, Mafia, and bet on him every week. All right, for all on the bench, uh, the uh, second round, when it was all said and done, Varner had the one-stroke lead over speed to Shambo, uh, and then uh, Morikawa, Shoffley, Rory, our two-back, Justin Thomas, Rose, 
I'm just looking at other names. Um, they're at eight under, three back. Uh, Bubba's at six under. I'm just looking at guys here. And then um, it, it just goes down from there. Furick and Kepka are at four under. Poulter's there at four under. Finau at three under with Glover. Patrick Reed. He went 68-69. Um, just I'm you know looking at some of the guys that are in this thing. Zach Johnson at two under. And then um I mean that's pretty much it. The cut was at uh two under, so there you go. And then I didn't want to really waste a lot of time with uh, David Dusick talking about guys that uh, stunk it up like Phil, but there were a lot of big names that just didn't have it going on. Remember, Lehman had a great 65, then he blew out with a 74. He didn't make the cut. Sergio didn't make the cut. Kuchar didn't make the cut. McDowell didn't make the cut. Rom, who's a you know rock star, he didn't make the cut. And then... Uh, remember the guy, Kang? He had a hole-in-one. He didn't make the cut. Moore didn't make the cut. Mickelson didn't make the cut. It just goes on and on uh, of guys that didn't uh, get it done. Ricky Fowler didn't make it. Uh, Dustin Johnson. Webb Simpson didn't make the cut. Jason Day didn't make the cut. Ryder Cup captain Steve Stricker didn't make the cut. Charlie Hoffman didn't make the cut. Shane Lowry didn't make the cut. I mean, Bill Haas didn't make the cut. I mean, these are just some of them. I'd sit here all day and give you more. I'd be here all day. I would literally be here all day trying to go through the list of people that didn't make the cut. And that and that's a pretty hearty list, right, of big names. So obviously, uh, any way you slice it, these guys, believe it or not, I mean, I guess when they were off and – they weren't playing and there was no tournaments and it was what, almost three months. I mean, I, I don't know the exact date. All I know is let's say, you know, two months and three weeks. Fair enough. And then they didn't play. Now, a lot of them did play though. That's the thing. They didn't play competitively. They didn't like have tournaments and they didn't play for money, but they were out playing. Like there's a lot of courses that have been open to play like medalist where they had the match. Isn't that where they had it? I think at Medalist. That that course never closed. The Tigers uh, been out there playing. A lot of the pros live down there. They all play at Medalist. They were all out there hitting, striking, you know, you know, going around and doing their thing. So, and that's the case everywhere, right? Like, there's been golf here. I mean, where I am, New York, New Jersey. There's been golf. I I went golfing. So don't tell me there's not golf courses open. People have been out golfing and I really don't understand how they ended up really, you know, coming out and hacking it up and butchering uh, this golf course. It's not like uh, it's not like they're playing, you know, Augusta. It's not like they're playing, you know, the best course in the world. I think the colonial and obviously forward, that's a, you know, solid course or whatever, but you heard Dusick. He said, it's not like a big giant hitters track. It's not like they're out there. You know, you have to be, you know, bombs away to do well there. It's not like one of those courses. It's really about hitting uh, clean shots, keeping it between the uh, fairways and trees and staying away from 
trouble and getting, you know, good off the tees and getting a nice wedge in. I mean, it is what it is. And, and then putting. If you're not putting, you'll get burned. So uh, I am amazed, to be honest with you, seriously, of all the people that uh, didn't play well. I mean, I guess just the rust never sleeps. I guess they uh, did not play. They sat around eating sandwiches. I don't know what they were doing, doing the, you know, stay at home, lockdown, quarantine life, I guess, uh, took their games right out of their hands. I don't know. But I will say that uh, I am impressed, seriously impressed with um, Phil Mickelson's uh, ship sunglasses that he was rocking today. I mean, those things were just fantastic. I mean, that was like, his game was all over the place. He was going left, right. He was all over the place. I saw him hitting just terrible shots. I saw him hitting terrible approaches into bunkers. I mean, he just had one bad shot after the next. He was shaking his head like, I have no idea who this guy is today, you know, holding onto these golf clubs because it sure wasn't Phil. But he knew that it was apparent to me. He knew he wasn't going to make the cut. So at one point, I think he just kind of like, overwhelmingly decided that he was going to realize his full potential as uh, a pimp with the sunglasses on. You know what I mean? (laughs) He knew, he knew that his uh, day, his weekend was over. He wasn't going to make the cut. He knew that he had nothing in his bag. He had no shots in him and his caddy, uh, everyone, they all gave up. So at that point, he just really uh, moved into the mode of, uh, Eric Estrada, he just went right into chips mode and had the sunglasses going and just, I mean, he probably could have snagged a new lover out of it. I'm thinking. You're going to say, you might as well look good doing it, right? You know what I mean? Like you saw him, right? You saw his shades. Didn't you think they were badass? I mean, I've never seen a guy wear like any sunglasses, let alone those mirrored Fonzarelli chips sunglasses he had going today. Right, usually guys when they're out there with the sunglasses, it's so like sponsored. And course, it's only like the, the Slim Oakleys or whatever they're getting sponsored to wear. It's not like right. some fashion statement that you right. know, Phil was putting on today with those. Do you think? Um, who do you think looks better? And he, I just saw him sink a putt in his miserable round. Uh, but I, I have to say, who do you think is there's his round ending at? Uh, I guess even because you had to be 200. So when you uh, think about it, who do you think actually is cooler? Uh, Eric Estrada or Fonzarelli? Ooh, I say Fonzie. I think Fonzie was cool and Eric Estrada was just trying to be cool. Like he's the guy that you think, oh yeah, he looks cool. It's like, no, he's just trying too hard. Fonzie was just natural. Plus you can never, you know, go against Henry Winkler. He's just awesome in everything he does. Do you think that... Um... It's uh, how crazy is it that Harold Varner is leading the tournament after all the things that the, um, you know, the black community has been through uh, hell and back recently. It's been crazy what's been going on in our country. Right. And then, I mean, it's just not right. What's been going on is just uh, it's atrocious. Right. That's why I got my equality shirt on tonight. But I wanted to say, this is my NBA equality shirt I got. I wear it once in a while. You've seen me wear that. I got that at the uh, Nets game in Brooklyn one night. I like my shirt. I'm really high on it. But uh, I actually am surprised, you know, frankly, that Varner's leading the tournament because, I mean, when have you ever 
seriously ever seen him leading a tournament or winning. I honestly, like nothing against Harold Varner. I just, when is the last time besides never mafia that we ever talked about Harold Varner once ever name it. Never. I mean, I just looked it up and his best finish in major championships was like tied for 36 at the PGA. Other than that, it's, you know, tied for 66 or cut, you know, twice or didn't even participate in the Masters ever. He's never made that tournament. So, I mean, if there's ever a time for him to come and have a banner tournament right now, it, this week is definitely it. You know, if Tiger's not going to be there, he might as well stand up and show up. Can you imagine if he won it, if he won the tournament? And uh, that'd be and a great story. Right. What a statement that would be for, you know, for everything that's been going on in the world. Uh, I just think um, that would be really cool. Did you think Honestly, that today I would turn that on right now? Because, you know, we talked about earlier in the week how they're one of the few sports that doesn't really come out and, and made like a big statement or a gesture. Then, you know, yeah, Tiger say something really. But PGA is so Caucasian. There really isn't any African-Americans in there like Varner or Tiger. So. It would be huge for them. They're cheering him on big time for this guy to win this tournament with all that's going on around us right now. I mean, I want to be uh, clear, and I've said this many times on the show, that I think it's been a a, uh, a completely bizarre sport in terms of, in my lifetime, seeing the exclusion and the, uh, I think, just blatant racism. I mean, uh, I know for a fact, uh, without a doubt, I know several several clubs around the country. I know emphatically that, you know, no blacks, no women, no Asians. They don't want anybody. They just want rich white people. And then uh, I've seen it many times. I mean, I've seen it just with the, uh, frankly, just the blacks and women alone. I mean, I know clubs that women aren't even allowed to go there for dinner. Right. They, they won't even let them in the clubhouse. They won't even they're not even allowed to go there at all. They can't even pick up their husband when he's done golfing. Like, can you even believe that? Like, I've actually seen that. I've seen it and uh, I know that it exists. And believe it or not, it still exists to this very day. It is rampant and people can deny it all they want. Listen, I don't think Augusta ever wanted <laughs> blacks. They never wanted women. And they fought Martha Burke. And I don't think they could handle Tiger Woods when it first started happening. When he started going down there and winning at Augusta, they didn't know what to think. They, I truly believe that. I truly yeah. believe that the, the deep South racist South uh, wanted no part of some black guy coming on their white, pristine, famous golf club and winning the green jacket. And then... They had to put a green jacket on a black guy, and then they had to do it multiple times. They didn't know what to think. I think they got used to it, and I think they finally accepted the fact that he was 10 times better than everyone else in his, in his complete heyday and his best prime of his brilliant career. We already know he's won 15 of them. We already know that. But when he was young and he started taking over golf and literally winning everything that mattered and kicking everyone's ass every single week, wherever in the biggest tournaments and always just showing people up and schooling everyone and making incredible shots, he took over. He literally took over golf. And I don't feel, and I never have, and I, I don't think I ever will, that the whites wanted anything to do with it. I don't think that they ever uh, wanted that to happen. And then they kind of just accepted it because they're like, 
all right, the guy's beating all of our asses. So we're just going to have to deal with him. And then I think that's kind of what happened. It just kind of turned into a, a fact of life that he was going to win and you had no say in the matter. And then they finally, uh, I think, came around to accepting him because I think they realized eventually that he was, uh, you know, frankly, just a, a human being and a good guy. You know, then they went after him when he had his problems. Right. Then they started talking about him being a piece of shack with his wife and all of his marital problems, the drinking, the drugs, you name it. Right. He did all of it. Uh, when he got popped, everybody knows he was a mess, right? And when he got a divorce, everybody jumped all over him. They were just waiting for his downfall, I think, literally. All the whites, the media, you name it. And uh, then he started winning again. Then he came back. He had all his surgeries and started coming back and winning again. Now everybody's on their knees again for him. It really is uh, a dichotomy of what it's like, the racism in golf, watching his whole career. All you have to do is watch it. And you can see it right in front of your very eyes. It's Pharrell on a bench. We're raging on a uh, late night, pain-free Friday. Mafia and I kicking it in. Call us. The number's right on your screen. All right, Pharrell on a bench. Uh, just in case you haven't figured it out yet, uh, the number's 844-843-6879. So 844-843-6879. That's the number to get on the bench. So I can't keep track of everything that's going on around me. There's a lot happening. But I know that uh, that I do this show, and then Marenzi does it, and then uh, Scott Wetzel does it, right? So we're on from literally uh, overnights on Sports Grid Radio. And you can watch the show on the uh, Sports Grid Radio page on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Sports Grid Radio, and you'll find the YouTube page where you can actually watch me sitting here doing the show. So it's a little bit better than, uh, and I've said this before, it's better than when I was doing it, uh, I guess, at, at CBS, where they wouldn't. Uh, do anything digitally or on video or whatever. We filmed the show and then we put out video clips like the next day. It was kind of lame. And then uh, when I did it, I did it in uh, San Francisco back in the 90s. They uh, put me on national television on Sports Channel America. That was badass. That was as good as it gets. And uh, people could actually see my insanity. And at that time, I was certainly a lot younger, wilder, drunker, higher, everything. And uh, the show was just absolutely lit. And people dug it in a big way in every major market in the country. And it was uh, pretty cool. Now we're doing this and it is what it is. And you can see me uh, doing the show every uh, Monday through Friday uh when we come on uh, late at night and then it airs overnight so check it out tell your friends spread the news call up call in be a part of the show dig it we do have the beer flowing now and i think that might be key to the show anything else prior to this meaning the fact that we have beer flow now should change everything moving forward <laughs> 